Well, welcome to Red Letter Disciple. It is episode one today. That's right, the very beginning. So I'm so glad you're joining us. My name is Zach Zinder, and in a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, friend and pastor, Chris Johnson. And our desire in this podcast is that whoever you are, that you would be challenged to be a greater follower of Jesus. I really believe that when we collectively all become greater followers of Jesus, we will become a fuller, greater, and truer expression of who Jesus is, and that's going to change the world. And that's what this podcast is all about, changing the world through Jesus. And so here's what you can expect. You can expect to be challenged, you can expect to be inspired, and you're going to have a lot of laughs along the way with us. And so I am thrilled to get things started with episode one today featuring one of my favorite people in the whole world. His name is Kerry Newhoff. Kerry Newhoff is uh, got the go-to podcast that I listen to, the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. And so we're going to ask Kerry uh, the difference between discipleship and leadership. Uh, Kerry is a productive guru. He, he talks all around the world about how to be more productive. So I'm going to ask him how... In how in the world, like people like me, you know, guys like me, dads, husbands with kids at home, like, can we actually be productive or is the stuff that you write only work when your kids are out of the house? And we're going to find out once and for all what Carrie Newhoff thinks about people who own Traeger grills. His answer might surprise you. It's going to be awesome. But before we get there, I said it earlier, this is episode number one, number one, which means like, can you help us get the word out? Can you do us a huge favor? If you listen to this show today and you are challenged, you are inspired, or you believe that this is going to be helpful for you or someone else, like help us get the word out. And so here's what we'd love for you to do. We'd love you to give us a five-star rating, and we'd love for you to review us on your streaming platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those are some really great ones to, to review us and to rate. So if you do this, here's what we're doing. These first few episodes, you will enter to win a pair of red, of course it's it's red. Come on. Beats Studio 3 wireless headphones. And so rate, review, and follow, and then go to redletterpodcast.com to enter that giveaway. We're going to draw for these headphones on June 9th. And so your help and your review and your sharing, here's what it'll do for us. It'll help us to continue to create even more podcasts like this in the future. And so for more information, go to redletterpodcast.com. Speaking of helping us create podcasts, like season one wouldn't be possible without our our friends, our season one sponsor from the Giving Church. And so pastors, church leaders, do you have a vision that maybe you don't know how to fund or maybe too much vision and not enough budget? I know I can sometimes, my ideas and dreams are so far out there and it's like, great, but but what's the budget behind that? Our friends at the Giving Church can help kingdom dream, kingdom visions become realities. The Giving Church, which is led by founder Phil Ling, they've helped nearly a thousand churches raise over, get this, a billion dollars for ministry dreams. And for all of you that listen, they've got something for you at their website, thegivingchurch.com slash red. You can download a free PDF on how to grow your church giving. And here's why this PDF is awesome. Well, first off, because I've never met a pastor or a church leader that hasn't wanted to grow their giving. So that, that's number one. Like we all want to grow that. But not long ago, they commissioned a study with more than 4,000 churches and uncovered some incredible, incredible data that I'd never seen before. One of those pieces, just one that blew me away, 45% of the people that give to your church statistically give less than $200 a year, which that means like, what if we could unlock greater stewardship? I really believe we can. They do too. They've seen it happen. They're awesome. Check out this free PDF. So much more uh, at 
thegivingchurch.com slash red. And before we get going, episode one, I want to thank my Red Letter Living team. We could not have done this. I could not have done this without all of you. And so huge thanks today to my wife, Allison, our operations director, Andrea. I'm thinking of James and I'm thinking of Susie and Mark and Lois. We could not have done this without you. And of course, like I have to be thankful and grateful for my friend and my co-host, Chris Johnson. So here we go. Episode one, cue the music. Let's do this. All right. It is episode one of the Red Letter Disciple podcast. That's right. I'm thrilled. Today, legitimately, we have my favorite podcaster in the world as our first guest, and I'm pumped. It is, ladies and gentlemen, none other than Carrie Newhoff. Hey, let's hey. go. Welcome That's to- intimidating. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's no, like, oh, it's Newhoff. Okay. No pressure, no pressure. <laughs> they, were expecting, they were expecting Joe Rogan, right? They got me. Like, sorry. No, you're great, man. Carrie, you are a best-selling leadership author, a speaker, a podcaster, former attorney, mm. and church planter. You speak to leaders around the world around leadership, change, personal growth, and your podcast, which is Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, is that's my go-to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. man, you got 18 million downloads, Carrie. We got zero right now. That's right. <laughs> and so we are. Well, hoping, yeah. I'm going to listen to this, and you'll have one download, yeah. and that's that's how it begins, right? If you listen you to go. your own podcast, like there's three. <laughs> of you there's two hosts and then yeah. there's a producer right and you yeah. guys your moms yeah. right and yeah, i'll exactly. listen right. yeah that's six uh, like, that's how it starts right real that's- quick carrie can you give us uh one quick tip of how we can get to 18 million downloads <laughs> is there a list you know, by or <laughs> i'll tell you 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 know what you know what one of them is start <laughs> And you did oh, that. <laughs> and here there we you are. Go. Here we go. Because a lot of people want to start a podcast and they don't. And yeah. I thought about it for like two yeah. years before I launched. And uh, the other thing I'd say is don't despise small beginnings. I yeah. mean, we started strong out of the gate. I think we had maybe four or 500,000 downloads on year one. Now, this is the Wild West. It was 2014. There weren't as many podcasts and everything. Sure. And actually, that must be old bio because it's like almost 22 million now, which oh, is wow. crazy. That's but awesome. what happened was it took five years to get to 10 million and then um, two years to get to 20. Wow. And we'll probably hit 30 million in the next 18 months. Like it's a snowball awesome. rolling down a hill. My team and I talk about it. First of all, ton of grace. God's been sure very, very, very uh, gracious. Do not claim credit. But um, we don't fully understand it. We don't get it yeah. because we're not doing a whole lot different. We keep tweaking, we keep improving, um, but we don't know why it's gaining momentum as quickly as it is. So, so the point is, do not despise small beginnings. So I love it. Well, I don't know going small because we got Carrie Newhoff here. <laughs> anyway, well, I got Andy Stanley. So, you know, he was, he was kind enough to kick off episode one and, and he's still doing my show. I think I've got him coming up in May. Which yeah. is nice. Great. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. Your team may be surprised. Why are we the interviews that they're incredible? Mm-hmm. And so thank you for doing that and uh, for being consistent like that. So uh, yeah. th- this is a podcast. It's about discipleship. We want to grow, uh, especially the first time ever listening, which it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to challenge you as audience to be the greatest followers of Jesus wherever you are. And so we're going to get into a lot of discipleship stuff on this show. But yes. Carrie, before we jump into questions oh, with you boy. about discipleship, leadership, stuff like that. Let's get to something that's already yeah, been. Chris and I have been talking about. Yes, it's been on our mind for a while. Carrie, um, I'm wondering, I know that you're in Canada, and you, uh, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a fan of the Big Green Egg. Huge fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you're a fan of the Big Green Egg. That's the correct answer. Terry, um, I have a Traeger, and I don't know if I've ever heard you with your opinions on Traeger, because Chris has an opinion can on I, Traeger. Can I give you my thoughts real quick? <laughs> please, you please. Yeah. You're a, a former lawyer, so allow me to plead my case, sir. <laughs> okay. I think oh, the red jacket's coming off. I say that uh, a Traeger is robo meat <laughs> it takes literally no skill you throw in wood pellets that have cardboard in them and you watch your thermo pro or whatever while you're watching the masters oh i'm smoking me <laughs> and that the real way and the only way to smoke meat is with charcoal and wood <laughs> I rest my case. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. And my mother taught me a long time ago. She said, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Else. So next, next question. Oh, wow. You know what? I have lots of friends who have Traggers. There's nothing wrong with the Trager people. And I hope one day when they grow up, they'll start uh, <laughs> cooking oh, over live charcoal. Uh-huh. This is getting thrown it. down quick. I love that's, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. I've heard that described that the big green egg is like an art artwork and okay. Traeger is like scientists. And I think we need art and science. But anyway, we'll move on. Carrie, you that's started. <laughs> You still wanted the last word. You got it. Sorry. All right. Oh, you're good. I'm a lawyer. You're good. <laughs> hey, Carrie, you started uh, as an attorney and then a pastor. And now she's a podcaster, a blogger, a speaker, an author, leadership guru. How did this, like, that's a lot. How did this happen? Well, there was no plan. I can I can start there. Um, you know, it's it's really strange looking back on it. I can't. There's a lot of grace, a lot of providence, a lot of good fortune, and a lot of kindness in that story. But um, I'd say the one common thread in it all is there's communication. So when I was 16, I walked into a radio station and I, I got fascinated by people who were on the radio. It was a really tiny station, like 2000 Watts in a town of 12,000 people. And so this is not big time by any stretch. And I'm like, yeah. will you hire me? And they did. They made me work for free uh -huh. for three months, which I think is now illegal in most countries. But nice. I worked with my dad is still upset if I tell that story or it doesn't come up very often. But he gets upset. He's like, they made you work for free. I was so mad. And then they started paying me. This was the 80s, early 80s. It was I think my first wage was two dollars and sixty five cents an hour. Mm. which is crazy. I was 16, so it didn't make any difference. Um, but I loved being on the radio. That was fun. I did that for eight years in my hometown and then eventually in Toronto at a station. And, uh, and then went into law, but I really loved the courtroom side of law and then felt a call into ministry. Mm. Uh, and that happened in the middle of law school. So went to resign from law after I finished, um, you know, the, the accreditation and going to the bar ads and all that stuff and passing the bar, I passed the bar. Then I resigned, went into seminary, but could not figure out what to do. I thought I do not have the gift mix. I'm not a pastor, like I'm not a pastoral kind of person. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. So I'm like, this isn't gonna work. And uh, then went to some little churches. Actually, it was interesting. My wife and I, we were, or actually it was a friend. We, we were both in Niagara, my wife, and then a few days earlier, a friend, friend of mine were driving through Niagara through the like wine region through the country roads. And I'm like, Rockway. I'm like, are you kidding me? I haven't been here in 30 years. We passed by a little church yeah. that's still open. And huh. I got to tell my friend, Sean Morgan, when we were driving by, I'm like, these guys 
they didn't fire me, but they wouldn't hire me. Like <laughs> I tried to get hired at that church and they, they refused. And I tried these churches in Toronto to hire me and nobody was interested. There was one church that, that made me a nice offer, Did but we ended up going in. Out, what's that? Months? Did you tell me you'd work for free for three months? Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, listen, I know what student <laughs> pastors get paid. It wasn't right. free. It's almost free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So like, <laughs> Oh, there's a paycheck in the bank account. I couldn't tell. Right. <laughs> Especially after law. And, right. and then we found these churches North of Toronto. Yeah. And uh, we started there. They I won by one vote. That was the resounding vote of confidence for me. That's gonna uh, make eleven elders, yeah. eleven elders in this tiny church of like forty people. Three churches put wow. together. I won by one vote. Thank you, Cora. She told me years later it was her. Right. <laughs> I don't know who was against, but there was a bunch of people against. And we're still here twenty-seven yeah. years later. And these are the people who would eventually become Connexus Church. Wow! I, I pastored them for two decades, and then about a decade ago, I started. Um, just as a hobby, a side hustle, recovering from burnout, maybe it's 12 years ago now, I started writing yeah. semi-regularly, blogging semi-regularly, mm. and it just kind of took off. And then I added the podcast and in 2015, stepped out of the day-to-day -day leadership role at Connexus. And now I'm doing this full time. So I mm -hmm. uh, love it. Love being able to come alongside leaders, amazed that we get to serve the people that we do. And I have a great team that helps with a lot. Awesome. I love it, man. Yeah. Part of your journey, I think I really appreciate because I think we're we're wired pretty similarly. Enneagram and strength finders are pretty yeah. much yeah, the same. And you know, you gave me advice that I think probably along your journey you learned that was helpful for me. Um, and I think if anyone's listening out there, and, and what I love is there's a common thread of communication in all of the things you did. And so like, it's cool to look back and see that that's there, but how do you know, like when that's shifting and yeah, the thing that you said when you were talking with Allison and I about, you know, I, I do this thing on the side and I put one time the energy in and I get, or one time the effort in and I get 10 times out of it and I'm putting yeah. 10 times the effort over here and getting one out of it. And again, not that the one is bad, it's still really good, but like, it's just, God has his hand on this. And I, I love that about you that you've stepped into these different, different places and different roles. And so I think we're all blessed for it. But um, when it comes to you, leadership expert, right? You, you talk to leaders, you interview leaders all, all the time. And so I'd love to know from your perspective, what is the difference uh, in discipleship and leadership? Do they relate? How are they similar? Hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and a leadership expert, my favorite definition of expert is someone who's not from your hometown. That's what an expert <laughs> is, right? At the end of the day. So yeah, sure. I'm not from your hometown. Um, yeah, leadership and, and discipleship. So I mean, discipleship involves leading others. It involves leading yourself. And I think, you know, inherent in discipleship, probably the most neglected uh, discipline of the or fruit of the Holy Spirit is the discipline of self-control. It's in that list along with love, joy, peace, patience, yeah. kindness. A lot of leadership is, is self-control. Um, Jesus would talk about self-denial as well, like yeah. a leader serves on behalf of others. So you can do leadership kind of the world's way. And in the world's way, all the benefits flow toward the leader, right? Mm -hmm. So if I start a company and it becomes a you know huge success story, who gets all the money, who gets all the recognition, who gets yeah. all the fame, who gets all the, you know, if you, if you want to go back in history, I mean, who gets all the perks, who gets the women, who gets the, this, the answer is the leader. And yeah. Jesus comes along and he turns it upside down. And I remember a, a sermon series, Andy Stanley preached. Um, oh, this must be 10 or 15 years ago now. And I think it was called power play. And he just 
focused on John 13 and Jesus, the most powerful yeah. man in human history, inverts the power pyramid and decides he's going to use his his power, not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of others. So yeah. rather than, you know, creating a harem, which they did in those days, he actually liberated women. He actually mm. empowered them. He actually honored them for the image yeah. of God and the creation of God that they were. And um, he lifted up the poor and the lowly and he used himself to serve others. So that's a very, that's a very challenging paradigm for leadership. And it's not, you see it in the church all the time, right? Money and power flow up and yeah. you see people fall and mm -hmm. the whole deal. And, and, and that's really sad, but it is not Jesus form of leadership. And I'll be honest, like sometimes I'm like doing a bad job at that paradigm of leadership because there are perks uh, that come with it. But then your question is, okay, you're steward of this. How do you use it for yeah. the benefit of others? And I think that's a really profound question. And so I think in those ways, leadership and discipleship, authentic leadership and discipleship are, are fused. And there's a bunch of Christian leaders from Ken Blanchard to Cheryl Batchelder to Joel Manby to, I mean, I could give a long list of leaders uh, who are talking now about servant leadership. Yeah, And that's coming out of their Christian faith. And it's even catching on in the secular paradigm yeah. because people are done with leaders who are command and control. And, you know, I get all the benefit and look at how successful I am. Yeah. And I really think um, sometimes the Christian church mimics the world in leadership. But when we're at our best, we don't. Yeah. And so I'm challenged daily on my good days. I remember on my bad days, I forget. <laughs> uh, Jesus paradigm of leadership, I think, is much more powerful. And that's who we remember. What do we remember Mother Teresa for? Her wealth, her fame, her success, her number of Instagram followers. Her, <laughs> yeah. No, we remember her because I think in many ways she embodied Jesus leadership or Pope John Paul II. Yeah. You know, when he was shot, I was just reading again and I, I remember this because I'm a certain age, you know, and he befriended his would-be assassin and visited him in prison. Yeah. And when his assassin died, the whole family, he went to comfort the family and grieve with people. Like it's a very different paradigm. Mm. So I think if you really unpack discipleship, it will be very challenging to your leadership, whatever you're leading in the marketplace, in the church. Interesting. Mm. Because is that, is that because Jesus calls us to do things that naturally leaders wouldn't do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like uh, share the wealth. Yeah. Like uh, use your power for the benefit of others. Use your voice for the people who yeah. don't speak. So, you know, on my podcast, for example, I'm I'm tackling some subjects. I've, I've done this for a while, but, uh, you know, Albert Tate and I just had a conversation the other day about racial justice. Yeah. And I know what happens when you go there and you give voice to people who have not historically been heard or listened to, you lose followers, you lose subscribers. To me, it's worth it. I was emailing back and forth with Seth Godin this week about something entirely unrelated. And he told me about a project that he spearheaded on climate change. It's called the Carbon Almanac. Uh, it's like 197 collaborators from around the world. He's sort of the linchpin behind it. And so I just yesterday booked another interview with Seth and we're going to talk about climate change. And I know some of my listeners are climate deniers. Mm -hmm. And this is really close to my heart. I don't know that I understand the science perfectly, but I think we have some evidence that things are changing. And I believe, according to Genesis 1, that we are stewards of creation. That this yeah. is, you know, Jesus says, a new heaven and a new earth. 
It's like, well, let's not destroy this thing. And, you know, Jesus' teachings about if you steward what you have now well, that will have ripples in heaven. So to me, theologically, uh, and Seth and I were talking about this, climate change is a theological matter. Yeah. And caring for the planet is a theological matter. And so, you know, Seth and I are going to do an episode on it. And we're probably going to anger a lot of people. And I'm like, good. That's a good use of my platform. Yeah. There you go. And I, yeah, I think I love that. So just clarifying that as disciples and leaders at the same time, it sometimes means doing what's right as a disciple at the sake of, for the sake of our leadership, but ultimately that's what's going to bring more glory to Christ. And so that's cool. So Carrie, this podcast, we want to challenge people to be greater followers of Jesus. And, and the why behind that is like, I want to unleash the greatest and fullest expression of Jesus that uh, that we can in this world. And it won't be perfect until Jesus comes back. I really like and think your book at your best is really helpful for that because it's right. How to get time, energy, and priorities working for you, how we can live at our best so that ultimately we can bring the best version of Jesus into this world. So can you talk to us about at your best? And especially I like the the green zones, yellow zones, red zones, and like what that means. Yeah. So at your best came out of a season of my life where I had burned out. I had led for a decade in the local church and it was in many ways harder than it was in law. I had things much, I was only a year in law, but that was kind of buttoned down and it was successful and ministry was very quote successful. We were rapidly growing quickly, becoming a large church from that tiny church we started with. But after a decade, um, my workaholism, my unsustainable pace, my lack of boundaries, my misunderstanding of boundaries caught up with me. And one day my body, I didn't declare a finish line. So my body did. It's like, that's it. We're done. I'm on strike. And I burned out and I felt clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get a diagnosis because I didn't go see my doctor. I probably should have, but I felt clinically depressed for almost an entire summer. And it's terrifying if you burned out. Yeah. And on the other side of it, I was determined not to go back there. If you burned out, you know how painful it is. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a few years re trying to reconstruct my life in a sustainable way because I knew my unsustainable pace had killed me, almost killed me. And if I went back to that way of living in that way of being, it was only a matter of time until I was a bug on a windshield again. Yeah. And so I did a lot of coaching, a lot of reading, counseling, and came up with this personal system that I used to keep myself out of burnout. And what I, what was happening along the way was uh, my productivity started to go through the roof and yeah. I kind of noticed it. Like I had more time at home, more time with my family, more time off, better sleep, yeah. like all that stuff. But my, my productivity was, was soaring exponentially. Hmm. And I'm like, what is this? And then eventually, about five or six years ago, number one question people were asking me is how do you get it all done? And so I was at Mark Batterson's church in yeah. DC and he asked me to give a talk. I thought I'm going to write a new talk. So I put these ideas down okay. for the very first time into a talk mm. and it just kind of exploded and took off. And I did a course called the high impact leader, trained thousands of leaders in the system. And I realized, Oh, this works for other people, not just me. This isn't like an idiosyncratic weirdo thing that I do to keep myself alive it, it's actually helpful. So I did some more research and then um, came up with At Your Best. That came out in 2021. And what it does is time management books are everywhere. They're fantastic. But I also talk about energy and priority management. And energy management seems to be the 
the eureka moment, the aha moment for people when they encounter the at your best framework. And the way most people live is we don't think of our time other than we don't have enough and we're always tired. And so what I encourage people to do is think of your work day or your whole day, your waking day in three zones, green, yellow, red, green being those few hours could be as few as three or perhaps maximum five where your energy is really at its peak, where if you're a writer, like I am writing sermons or whatever, your creativity is flowing. The ideas generally come fairly well. You're in a good mood. You have energy, you have enthusiasm. Red zone being those couple hours a day for most of us where we're just kind of dragging. We need caffeine, can't stay awake during meetings, falling asleep at our desk, that kind of thing. So that's your red zone. Energy is low. And then yellow is everything in between. Yeah. So right now we're doing this in the early afternoon. I'm in my yellow zone and that's okay. You can do a lot in your yellow zone, uh-huh. but my peak creativity comes in the morning. Okay. So divide your day into green, yellow, red. And then the secret is do what you're best at when you're at your best. And what happens is we all have peak hours, but we use them indiscriminately. So I used to do a lot of breakfast meetings. And when I discovered this, I stopped doing breakfast meetings. And the reason was I had content to write every week. Yeah. Like sermons and, you know, messages and series and that kind of thing and eventually books. So what I would do is I'd go for breakfast at 7 a.m., supposed to last an hour. It goes an hour and a half. And then you're like, well, I better get some coffee at the drive-thru. So you stop at the drive-thru. Then it's 9.30 by the time you get into the office. Then people start talking to you. And it's 11 a.m., you empty your inbox. And then it's lunch. And my best hours of the day are gone yeah. and I haven't got a start on my message. And now I got to bring my message home and tell my kids to ignore me and my wife to ignore me because I'm working tonight. Yeah. And so the secret is do what you're best at when you're at your best, do your most important work in your prime hours. And as you know, as preachers, if you get that sermon done on Tuesday by noon, Oh man. Come on. Yeah, the rest of your week is like, I don't care what happened. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Good baby. I'm good. So yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Uh, Carrie, you were basically spending your green zone on returning emails, essentially. Like, that's oh, you could the totally most productive. You're doing the stuff that you could have essentially sandwiches. Yeah, yeah that you could have essentially done in your yellow or even red zone. You know, when it comes to emails, a hundred percent. And you know, if you're an EA, if that's what you do, like my assistant Carly answers probably a hundred, two hundred emails a day, yeah. uh, just that are inbound. And I hope she's not replying in her red zone when she's falling asleep. (laughs) You know, like that's her job, right? So, but my job isn't to answer emails. I have a personal account and I might look just to see if anything's on fire or check Slack quickly, but it's like five minutes in and out. And then I come back to it later in the day and I tackle my, my critical priorities, which these days, again, I'm a communicator is writing. I'm working on a new course as we record this. Yeah. That'll come out in the fall. Uh, I've got uh, a live coaching I'm doing next week. I've got a couple of other projects that require my full focus and full attention. And the other mistake we often make is we have these really big projects and we're trying to, or even, you know, think about it. This is a discipleship project. Like Mm. when do you have your devotion time? Yeah. So I used to have it at night Mm. and you know, the good side of that is I'd start praying and they were very long prayers because I'd wake up eight hours later and say, amen, right? Like basically I <laughs> fell asleep no, praying. Yeah. Yes. Not very good. Fall asleep reading the Bible, fall asleep praying. It's not good. 
So now I have bedtime reading. I, it takes me like six months to get through a thick book because yeah. I read two or three pages and then I'm gone. But the Bible now gets the morning time. Cool. So when I get up, God, it's like a tithe on my time, yeah. mm. gets the first 20 to 60 minutes of my day, reading the Bible, journaling, praying, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I go and do my work. So, uh, and often what we do is we try to squeeze things in the crack. So we take yeah. really important work and we're like, oh, I got 20 minutes before my next meeting. I'll write my sermon. Well, brain research is showing it takes a while to get into what people call the flow. Mm. You know, when you've got to be concentrated, you got to be focused. And we're learning so much about the brain. For example, did you know that every time you're interrupted, it takes on average 25 minutes to get back to where you were? And the easy way to know whether that's happening to you. Have you ever been working on something really big, really important? You get a knock at the door, Right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Oh, sorry, you're busy. Okay, no problem. I'll come back in five minutes. You come back and you're like, now where was I? Right. Right. And and sometimes you don't remember. Yeah. Like it's like, I don't know what that idea was, but it's gone. So somebody's broken your focus. Right. And the, it was it was 15 seconds. It was eight yeah. seconds. No big deal. But what you need, and this is like a number of authors, uh, Cal Newport, Near AL, um, who else says this? Oh, it's, it's just a bunch. Uh, Yuval Harari. They would all argue that, that because of our digital world, mm. super, the superpower that you really need in the future is focus and concentration, the ability to think deeply. And what that takes is uninterrupted, focused, quiet time. And that's almost gone in this world. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is turn your green zone into that. Put your earbuds in, put your headphones on, um, find a quiet corner and go to work and do your deep work because our agency is being taken mm. because we're not doing the thinking now. Our devices and other people are doing the thinking for us. So we need to keep that, that critical thought open, flowing, learning. And more and more people I know aren't yeah. even touching anything electronic for the first few hours of the day. It's awesome. And, and Carrie, like mm. you said, there's a lot of time management and you know things out there like this that'll tell you this. But I think what I appreciated, if I remember the specific line, it was in your high impact leader course, but I, that now has been re repurposed to at your best course. Um, you spoke to me when I needed to hear it. And here's the, what you said as a communicator, as a preacher, you said, not once have I ever got an email of somebody encouraging me to spend time on my sermon. And I was like, that's what I needed to hear that because that I've not gotten that email either. They expect it. They want, it, they yes. want, they want grade a meet every week. And I'll, you know, and it's hard to do that when we're fitting in the cracks. Uh, and so that for me, again, there's yeah, tons of time in it, but, but being able to speak to the language of the people and, and show the real problem in a way that I was like, yes, and that's like what saved me and what helped me in my sort of calendaring several years ago of, yeah, we can really be more productive when we get this sort of, sort of stuff figured out. And when we, now I will say this, mm. and I've been meaning to ask this question. He's been one to ask you this for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, and you sometimes get me in trouble at home though, Carrie. It's true. Uh -oh. um, because there are times when I tell my wife, Allison, uh, I'm in my green zone right now. And Carrie says, this is when I need to be at my best from a content creation. And she's like, it's like, I don't care if you're in your green zone. Um, <laughs> it's, it's time to take the kids to school. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I want to frame it that way because sometimes I think, and I can, and I can read your material. I can watch the course and I can say, okay, 
I can maybe understand how to perfectly partition things out when I don't have kids at home. Mm -hmm. But I'm 38. I got two kids. I know I'm not the only one that's like that. That's like, yes, I believe in all this. I want this, but I'm having a hard time finding the balance of being productive and yet still I feel like I need to be in the green zone for my fans. So can you just talk to me and help me, please? So well, I don't and, get in more fights at and, home. And Carrie, I think he didn't get in trouble for that comment. I think he got in trouble for the comment when he suggested that his kids Uber to school. I think that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think it's a question of reduced expectations. So I didn't write my first book until I was in my 40s. Yeah. I didn't launch my leadership podcast until I was 49. Mm -hmm. And the the thing about that is you have a really important priority right now in your kids. Yeah. You've only got them probably for what, less than a decade before Crazy. they leave yeah. home. I don't want to say that and make you cry, but you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of life on the other side of yeah. being an empty nester. And I think that's really important. I get that question from parents of newborns all the time. It's like your green zone might be an hour or 30 minutes yeah. in this season. And then the other thing you can do is you can think about how you use your green zone during personal time. Because as a dad myself of two boys who are now grown and, you know, fully independent in their twenties and thirties, I, I know that sometimes I gave them my leftovers on weekends because I would be like, I'm going to get all these errands done and I'm going to get the chores around the house done. I'm going to cut the grass. And then three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm dragging and the kids are like, dad, you want to play now? And I'm like, <laughs> it's a lot better if I, and I'm doing this now at this stage of my life, if I give them my prime time and then I go mow the lawn when I'm exhausted, because you know what, that will actually energize you yeah. and whatever else you need to do, right? You got to clean the garage. Okay. Do that at three o'clock. Like you've had some prime time with your kids or with your spouse. And, uh, a lot of us give our family our leftovers. Yeah. And I think that can be a mistake. So you want to think even in your personal time or your weekday time, but the other thing too, about if you get that message done, right, just to pick on preachers for a little bit, if you get that message done and it's finished on Tuesday, when you walk in the door, Tuesday afternoon at five, Thursday afternoon at five, you can be present because, the rest of the work is kind of small potatoes compared to that big message or the big project or the big whatever that you worked on. And even if you're a writer, I was, I was saying before we started recording, I was talking to Daniel Pink uh, this week, who's written multiple New York Times bestsellers. His, his goal every day when he writes in the morning is somewhere between 400 and I think he said 600 words. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. So you're like, wow, you got this book. It like never ends, right? Like when is it finished? It's mm -hmm. 55,000 words. It's due to Penguin Random House. It's like, no, my job today yeah. was 400 words. And I yeah. got my 400 words in before lunch. And now I can go home and I can relax. And so even you've got to start small tasking yeah. some of the things. If you have this giant report, like I'm working on a course right now, it's like unit five by Monday. That's it. And yep. then I'll work on six and seven next week. It's fine. Yep. So the things that we've learned so far in the first part of this podcast <laughs> with Kerry, um, number one, he uh, uses a real green egg. And that is honestly That's the only all you needed to hear. You could have stopped yeah. after. And that. honestly, that is uh, what we should all be using, right? Or a knockoff. Correct. You can't right. afford That's the correct. Green egg. No, not a knockoff. No. Okay. No, then no. Then we're not doing that. No. You're right. the expert. Yeah. Okay. Number two. Uh, number two, that thing that we've learned is that he mows his own lawn. There you I go. Know. This guy is an award-winning uh, <laughs> bestseller, and he's not letting Still anybody. Else. 
He's not letting anybody else mow his lawn. There you he's go. getting it done, and he's doing it in the red zone. That's important. Well, that's because he likes seeing those straight lines, and nobody can do it like Kerry. Right, Kerry? I do. Well, you know what? It's one of those things, too. If you work with your mind, yeah. you should relax yeah. with your body. That's and so I bike. And uh, I, I do enjoy cutting my grass. And if it gets really overwhelming, you know that time of year in May where you're cutting it yeah. three times a week? Absolutely. Sometimes I'll have someone come in and do the third mow, but mm -hmm. then you're right. It's like, yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's so this is interesting. Mm. Part of discipleship is emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Like I believe Jesus is always in the process of redeeming us. So if you want to go into like our real story, in my 30s, what I realized I'm sort of OCD Mm. and I was a workaholic and I would let stuff like if it wasn't absolute, like look at behind me, if you're watching this, rather oh, yeah, than listening right. to this, yeah. it's pretty in order. Like, yeah. you know, like I need, I crave order. I had my psychological profile done recently by my counselor and like order is off the charts. <laughs> it's really high. And so it would drive me crazy because my wife is more relationship. She's super neat too, but like more relationally driven. And she's like, we should spend time as a family. And I'm like, got to cut the grass. And it was like that, that much too tall. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, uh, she, I really had to deal with that. And after I burned out, I kind of realized, Oh, I crave a mowed lawn for unhealthy reasons. Mm. And I'm actually yeah. a little bit crazy when it comes to my need for order. And so what I did was I said, okay, how can I do this? Cause I really enjoy it. But yeah. how can I do this in a way that it doesn't ruin my marriage, wreck my parenting, yeah. or destroy relationships? So now, you know, if I'm cutting my grass three times a week, two or three times a week, I'm like, oh, this is me. I'm being crazy and I enjoy it and it's fun. Yeah. And then I'll go back to work and I'll have some meaningful time with other people. But I think often we can be driven for very subconscious reasons. Yep. And I, I would see that as part of my discipleship, Jesus saying, it's a Mary Martha thing. And that's that's one of those things where I always thought Jesus had it wrong. It's like, no, Martha's <laughs> the winner here. You got your analysis wrong. Right. But Jesus was probably Carrie, right. Do you ever do, Carrie, do you ever do that thing? I do this occasionally. The the lawn really might not be needed to be mowed, but um, like this, this is my confession to you, pastor. <laughs> Will you listen? Um, I, uh, this happened just the other week. I live in Florida and I realized that there was going to be some massive spring cleaning in the house and I didn't <laughs> want to do any of that at all. So I said oh. to my wife, I said to my wife, well, I better get outside and get that lawn knocked out. <laughs> and I mowed that lawn and I put those AirPods in and I had yeah. the time of my life listening to podcasts and they're inside scrubbing and I felt a little guilty. So that's my <laughs> confession to you, Pastor. So there you go, Jack. Yeah, I may have done that with uh, different seasons of my life as well. But you know the other thing about leadership, right? When is leadership done? Like if you're pastoring people, yeah. When are you done? The answer is never. Right. And what progress did you make today? I don't know. I wrote a message. I don't even know if it's any good. I had a bunch of meetings and, you know, whatever, whatever. Nice thing is, you know, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. Your lawn is long. By 5.30, it's short. It's cut. It's yes. measurable results. It looks amazing. Yes. And like, it's a win, right? Because yes. and, and psychologically, that's actually important. I remember talking to Henry Cloud at the outset of the pandemic. And I said, you know, everything just seemed like it was spiraling out of control. And I reorganized my bookshelf behind me. He said, do you know how therapeutic that is? Yeah. Like, that's actually really good because your whole world's out of control. But like my desk is clean. Right. And the books are organized. It's like you have a little bit of agency. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it, it's not necessarily terrible.
but uh, carry it for your wife, Chris. Yeah, along along these lines, we did a little research. We have Dave Ferguson on season one too, and he posted a blog and a picture of you. Oh, this is great! And the picture was a plaid shirt that matched your plaid pillows that you have in the background there. (laughs) So I want to know where do you buy a shirt and a pillow at the same time to just maximize my time? Can you? no, is Gosh, that- that's funny. You know, I still have that shirt. So what's really funny is it's small plaid yeah. pieces, yeah. but it makes it look the same size like these pillows. Hang on just a second. Okay. Yeah. Look at these. Please, yeah, please, yeah, please. This, this is, is good. Like, you, need, you need the scoop. Yeah. Dave Ferguson. Look, these are giant plaid pillows. Okay. I do not wear a shirt with plaid this big, but, but you see when you put them back here, this is a, fairly big room right right yeah. Yeah. then it looks like they're the same size that as... was so funny that's yeah. amazing there you go so you all right dave buy a shirt and a pillow at the same okay <laughs> every time i look at that shirt i still like wearing it it's like oh i can't wear it i'm shooting video today you ruined it which is me. almost every day right I, like, oh, we were thinking it. as we were talking amongst yourselves that you went to a store called shirts and pillows and <laughs> And it actually makes sense with your OCD explanation. Right, right. There yeah. you go. We are discovering things. <sighs> hey, Carrie. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of ridicule over those videos <laughs> until I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't do that anymore. You are, um, you talk to a lot of leaders, interview them, and uh, you've got something you just started that I'm, I've really been blessed so far with. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called the Art of Leadership Academy. Can you talk to us about what the Art of Leadership Academy is and why, why you formed it? Yeah, sure. Uh, It is. (laughs) We're pretty excited about it. It's a community, which ironically, the community was kind of an afterthought, but it ends up being the lead thing. So uh, let me give you some of the back narrative. It's all of my courses. It's monthly training I do for your staff, which is not discipleship training. It's leadership training, everything on, you know, the three sizes of organizations or breaking growth barriers or personal development or whatever. So uh, a monthly staff training for your team. We've got a vault of like two years of training now saved up uh, for members. And then it's also some, uh, all of my courses. I have about maybe seven or eight courses and they're my best content. And what we used to do was we used to sell those courses independently. And then we rethought, okay, how can we better serve church leaders? And we decided, no, for the same price you used to buy one course, we're giving you all of my courses, all the training, the live monthly coaching, and the community. And the community part kept growing as we were formulating this because I don't know about you, but have you noticed the tone of social media lately? Like, is it it fun? It's is it fun? All the circles go positive and helpful. And <laughs> it's it's not encouraging. Just Zach, that was the best message I ever heard. Way right, to go. Right. right. And people are like Dr. Google and they're experts in everything. Right. And I thought, I miss, I miss the early days of the internet. Yeah. Was you always had your trolls. You always Absolutely. had a few, but it seems like everybody's a troll these days. And I thought, what if we just created uh, a site. And this is not like ideological. This is where all the conservatives hang out, where all the progressives hang out. No, no, no. We got it. We got a whole spectrum of leaders, but a place where you could have really meaningful dialogue on substantial issues. And I'm blown away. So we basically built our own social media channel inside the Academy and you're on it, Zach. So, you know, like it kind of functions like social media and we have some robust discussions. I recruited about 40 mentors. You're one of them to lead people in discussion. These are people I respect. And so I'm involved, but we got like dozens of other top name leaders involved. And then now we'll we'll 
you know, we'll probably hit a thousand members in the Academy soon. I'm very, very encouraged. And so what it is, if you're looking for colleagues, if you're looking for content and you're looking for discussion that advances you in the church world or the business world, we have entrepreneurs as well. That's why we designed the Academy. Wow. And, and I, I will say I've been in it and I'm impressed. It's, it's awesome. It's well put together. The conversations are rich and robust and, and yeah, the courses, I, I mean, literally that at your best course, um, is, get, was a game changer for me. And that's just there. And there's other courses that art of online influence, I know is yeah. going to be launching soon. And I, I've heard a little bit of what you have there. And it's so good. And so oh, fun. unit seven is like all about my podcasting tricks. Perfect. And I haven't shared that anywhere else. So get in there, get in there, man. get in there. Um, all right. I do have one more uh, podcast type question yes, for you since sure. this is episode one. Yes. We, you already gave us a couple things at the very beginning of like, mm-hmm. just start and don't, don't despise small things, which is great. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's the best question to ask a podcast guest. Yes. I'm glad you asked me that. And, you know, I'm going to answer it a little bit from a different angle. Okay. I don't know that there is a best question. I've experimented with different standing questions. You know what I think the best question is? Hmm. The best question happens when you're really listening to the guest and you ask a follow-up. Yeah. So it might be something like, oh, what was that like? Or tell me more. Or, hmm, I don't, I don't think I fully follow. Can you explain? Mm. And then often what happens is, first of all, we live in an era of sound bites. And particularly if you get a guest who's interviewed a lot, they have talking points, right? So they're going through their talking points. And I love to break the script. <laughs> and I guess probably the answer to your question is not a question. It's an answer. Yeah. And it's simply this. If you listen longer than most people listen, you will hear things that most people never hear. Mm-hmm. I think that's true in life. And I think that's true in podcasting. So what I really try to do, and it's hard because I'm an interrupter, I'm a talker, I'm, I'm verbal, I'm a communicator. I just, I almost have this sticky note on my iMac that says, shut up, Newhoff. <laughs> and I just need to be quiet. And sometimes the guest will look like they're done the answer. Yeah. And I'll just kind of smile and nod. And then they're like, oh, you, you want more? Like it's all nonverbal. And then they drop gold that they, you, you yeah. just wouldn't hear unless you shut up. So I think my best question is say nothing. We just did. Oh, we were, yeah. we were <laughs> yeah, well played. Well played. <laughs> I also put a shut up Johnson thing on his laptop and it just, <laughs> on his. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem I like wondered it's working, where that but, came from. I didn't No, I, I love it, man. And, and your interview skills are incredible. And so we have a lot to learn as, as, um, people that can just ask because i think you do it in an interview style for a podcast but i also think it's a lifestyle of just stay Mm -hmm. curious um asking the how and the why behind Mm -hmm. things is is something you do so well and so um and that helps and so all right we got one last question for you before i turn it over to chris for uh a little bit of insight Mm -hmm. into i know your name your last name gets butchered a lot (laughs) Um, and so way to um, step on the intro of my game Okay, sorry about that. But anyway, I stepped on it. Um, we're going to really test sorry. your spelling of other last names to see how well you know. Oh, boy. But before we go. do that, uh, the last question we ask every guest on the Red Letter Disciple is, if if looking at your vantage point where you are right now, uh, this is a podcast to challenge disciples. And so I would ask you, what one challenge would you have for our audience that's listening for how they can grow and, and be a greater disciple of Jesus like this week, something they can do? Take some intentional time 
to be with Jesus, not while you're brushing your teeth, not while you're driving down the road. I mean, do that. Talk to Jesus when you're brushing your teeth, when you're in the car. But to actually carve out, if it's zero minutes right now, carve out five minutes mm. and breathe and relax and open your Bible and read some of the red letters or you know, start at Matthew or start at Genesis, or I've been doing the one year Bible for years and just, just spend some time with Jesus. I think we are so harried. We're so busy. We're so stressed and to start. And if you're doing a quiet time, extend it by five minutes. That's it. I love it. And and we're going to ask that question to guests and we're going to hear tons of different responses. I, I actually love that that's the answer on mm. episode one, though, because that's what this is all about is like go back to Jesus, spend time with him. And so that's the challenge. All right. So we're going to spend intentional time with Jesus if you can extra five minutes. If you did that challenge this week, we would love to know hashtag red letter disciple on any of our socials uh, for red letter. And in the YouTube, if you're watching, you can put in the comments below and, and we're just gonna be cheering and praying for you. That, that that's a really cool thing to do. So I appreciate that challenge. All right, Mr. Chris Johnson, I'm turning it Actually, over to you. Hold on one second. Before we get to the game, Carrie, um, do you have a lot of people that pitch you ideas because you're such a, a leader? You, you it, just like, it happens. It becomes monotonous, right? No, oh, I think okay. there are some really good ideas, but yeah, we okay. get pitched a lot. So, I, part of the reason that I joined uh, Zach to do this podcast is I want to spread the gospel, but hmm. I would never get a chance to talk to a Carrie Newhoff. So I want to pitch you an idea real quick, <laughs> if you don't mind. Oh, boy. Here we uh, go. I'm scared right now. All right. So, you know, Zach had... She, he sold dozens of these red letter challenge books, you know, dozens upon dozens. And so Carrie, I, I'm just wondering if I don't want to do self-publishing, I'm uh, high charisma, low intelligence, but I'm wondering if I could, you would just take, take this idea. I'm thinking about doing the black letter challenge. Um, just completely. What do you think? Can you give me like, well, I'll give you my expert opinion. Yeah. I, I think you're going to crush Zach. Yeah, because wow. there are so many more black letters than exactly. red letters. Yeah, like I think just numerically, what is it, ten to one? Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I, I, I think Zach's days are numbered, okay. and you're probably going to emerge into the forefront Let of a me, whole new industry black letter challenge. It's so if I, if I give you my cell phone, we can maybe talk later. Okay, <laughs> we can. And you know, you could do Aramaic challenge oh. because there are a few small passages written in Aramaic. Yeah, And then you could get into the niche market of wow. the Aramaic challenge and translating from the Septuagint um, I, I to figure out, hey, you know, so that's where so I would go. I, I'm going to, I'm going to quit real quick, but you should write that down. No, I'm, I write it down. Where's my assistant. Here's the other thing that I want to do real quick. What about a Bible study on the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. What do you think? I think that's fantastic. All right. That's a long book right there. All right, guys. Uh, we are now, we are here. We've heard from Kerry. We've heard that he is a big green egg fan. We've heard that he is a leadership guru. But here's the question, and here's my thought for today. Kerry, I grew up with the name Chris Johnson. Nobody's ever misspelled it in the history of my life. Uh, it's very simple. It's very easy. You, I have to keep looking at your name to remember how to spell your name, and that's no disrespect. But So do I. You get it. <laughs> so do I. So here's the challenge. I have to imagine with a difficult last name that you're pretty good at spelling. Mm, that's a nice assumption. Okay, well, good. Uh, so here we go. 
You have, uh, we have three famous people for you, Carrie. Three famous people. And uh, some of them Canadian. Yeah. Some of them, all of them with a difficult name. And uh, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, just go ahead and spell. Do, do we have the clock? I I'll get it for you. Yeah, don't I you just, worry about that. One job. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the first person is in his um, Israeli actress she's also known as wonder woman on the silver screen please carrie can you spell gall gadot you know i don't watch any movies either so i'm gonna say g-a-l-g-a-d-o-t-e oh, wow oh. he did first name too yes that was fantastic. did i get it right yes you got that was your excellent pronunciation i've never watched the movie and don't know who she is but there unbelievable you go. wonder wow you got it can we please Fire add boy. 150 points to the total here all right here is a fellow canadian yeah fellow canadian so probably just b-i-e-b-e-r <laughs> nice <laughs> nailed it i give him points that's good no that's right. don't give good. me 50 that's points good. but that golly gift of prophecy here we go um <laughs> The singer is Avril Lavigne. Oh, yeah. She lives down the road. L-A-V-I-G-N-E. Boom. That is fantastic. You're up. She too. literally, I bike by her yeah. house. Hey, can you? She lives on the expensive side of the street. <laughs> can you text her and tell her to come down? I've got some questions for her. I will. It's complicated. Oh, guys, I guess. Okay. You have two more left. Nobody, okay. nobody has got all of my questions correct, and I have specially designed <laughs> games for each person. This is, could be, of all your achievements, this could be the greatest. The greatest. If you can run I'm, the I've been living yeah. for this moment. Go ahead, Chris. <sighs> all right. Uh, number three, a comedian, actor, Canadian, in some of your favorite movies, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah. A-C-K-R-O-Y-D. A Y K R O. Oh, man, that's all right. You can still beat. Uh, who else have we? Uh, done oh, wow. No, no, yeah. that's tough. That's tough. This is by far the toughest one. Yeah. Duke basketball coach that just <laughs> retired. Coach K, Mike Shashesky. <laughs> Shashesky. Holy cow. He's, I, <laughs> I don't even follow sports. All right. Maybe okay, okay. the Blue Jays this year in a good year. Shishesky. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say C-H-E-S-H-E-C-Z-Y-C-K. Well, you got K-I, K-I, K-I. You got the Z, right? It was, Is there a Z in there? Listen Is there to that Polish? Crazy. K-R... Z Y Z E W S K I. So the clue to... should have been Coach K. Don't start it with a CH. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I, you, I have never wanted... heard of that person. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's all right. We wanted to make you feel like at least it's not Shashevsky. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. People <laughs> care about you. They love you. They mm. may not be able to spell your last name, but they still love you. Oh, yeah, that's great. You but go. you know what? You can own the internet with it. I remember <laughs> going to kindergarten. Here you and go. Like, Whoa, this is a complicated one. <laughs> Carrie, uh, you've been such a blessing. Thanks for kicking us off the right way. Where yeah. can people connect with you and uh, find more about Art of Leadership Academy and all that you're doing? Sure. So the Art of Leadership Academy is artofleadershipacademy.com. And then uh, you can misspell my name horribly and you'll still end up on kerryneuhoff.com. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but just to spell it correctly, yes. I'm going off Wait, memory. Make it, no, 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 no. Make, make, let's see if he can spell his no. <laughs> N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. In the box. There we go. 100%. Fantastic. Awesome. Gary, thanks, man. Really appreciate you, bud. Thanks, Zach. Thank, Thank you, you so Chris. Much. Yeah, it was great. Well, that was a ton of fun. Uh, we mentioned a lot of Carrie's resources during the show. And so go on over to redletterpodcast.com and we've got show notes with all those helpful links. And again, while you're there, follow, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. You're going to have a chance if you do that to win some sweet red beats, Studio 3 wireless headphones drawing for that on June 9th. So act quick. In a second, I'll tell you what's coming for next week. But first, another shout out to our season one sponsor, our friends at The Giving Church. Go to their website, thegivingchurch.com slash red, and you'll get a free PDF that's going to help your church grow in its giving. All right, next week is a good one. Zach Windall is on the show. Zach's a spiritual entrepreneur. He's the author of The Bible Study. I love it, by the way. He titled his book, The Bible Study. That's crazy. But this thing is like crazy popular. And if you've seen it before, you will know why. So not only are we going to have a Zach versus Zach Bible trivia challenge, who's going to win? Me, Pastor Zach, or this, you know, spiritual entrepreneur Zach? We'll find out. But we're going to talk to... Uh, a lot about how to help people understand the Bible, how Zach took two years in Australia to dive deep into the Bible and what he learned from that. And then it's a question I get a lot as a pastor. Pastor, where do I start? How do, how do I start reading the Bible? So I'm going to ask Zach Windall, author of the Bible study, like, what does he say to that question? And Zach's even going to talk about his experience surfing in Minnesota. I had no idea that was possible. Crazy. So be sure to follow The Red Letter Disciple on your favorite podcast platform so it shows up on your feed. And we're going to see you back for episode two, dropping next Tuesday. A Huda Media Production.